You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I'm going to be ministering to you on the topic of getting past your doubts and your fears. I mentioned previously that I believe that God sends people to this church because he has a special purpose for them in the kingdom. And that is to do something extraordinary, something that changes this generation, something that changes our culture and brings people to the knowledge of Christ. And you may not feel like a winner, you may feel like a loser, but if you're here today, God's called you to be a winner. But one of the things that you have to face is you have to be able to get through a lot of the opposition and the disappointments that happen in our life. If you don't know how to get through your doubts and your fears, even though you may be called to something great, uh, it won't happen in your life. And so as we talk about this today, remember that all of us have fears that are grown in us from youth they're growing in us through experiences. And Satan uses that fear to keep you back from his best. The one in particular story I like the most is Peter when he walked on the water. Being a fisherman, anybody that works in the sea realizes the dangers of the sea. Somebody on the land doesn't really know, to, know the, the danger of storms and things like that, whirlpools and that stuff. They've never even heard of that kind of stuff. A lot of, but, but, but Peter knew it, and he was the one that God used to walk in the water. And even when he failed at it, God got him through that disappointment. He could have said, oh, man, I tried. It didn't work. Every time I try to believe it doesn't work. But no, he jumped right back into it and was able to get through that. And now we read about it all the time. Amen? And I believe today some of you... Uh, need to walk on the water. Some of you need to get past some things in your life that are keeping you back from the ultimate destiny that God has called you personally to get into. Now, I want to start, if I would, over in uh, Exodus. Put it on the screen here, excuse me, Deuteronomy. And this is something God said to the second generation. Remember, their parents weren't able to go into the promised land because they wouldn't use their faith with the promises, and so God said, you're going to die in the wilderness, and this is their children that are older now, and listen to what he says to them. Then the Lord God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Let me say it again. Say, say this with me. I've, I've dwelt long enough in my mess. I've dealt long enough being broken, busted, and disgusted. I've been there long enough. I'm not staying there any longer. It's time for me to take up the shield of faith and possess the promises that God has called me to in my life. I'm not going to be held back. I'm preaching now. I got to be held back. Come on. Hallelujah. But some of you, you'll be honest with you, uh, you've been there long enough. I know what he did to you was wrong. I know what she did with you wrong. I know it was unfair that happened to you, but you've been there long enough. See, we all go through stuff, but just because you go through it doesn't mean you got over it. 
So let me say that again. Just because you go through it doesn't mean you got over it. If you didn't get over it, it's going to hinder your faith and prevent God's word from really excelling in your life in a great way. You've been there long enough being broke, busted, and disgusted. You've been there long enough being sick, weak, and lame. Come on. You've been there long enough. God wants you to rise up, take the shield of faith, grab the power of God, and believe that God is going to take you out of it into a place of breakthrough, into a place of plenty, into a place of peace, into a place that overshadows whatever you've been going through in your life. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I preach myself happy right now. Can we give God praise right now just by that? I mean, that's pretty good just right that. We could quit right there and go home and be blessed. So I, I wanted you to see that because sometimes we go through something and it's in the past, but yet we never overcame it by faith when we went through it. And because of that, it holds us back and prevents us from the greater things that God has for you. He's got newer homes for you. He's got better cars for you. He's got your kids going to better colleges. He's got things for you that's going to blow your mind. But you've got to be willing to let go. Hallelujah. Let me give you a personal story on this. Years ago, I had a couple in the church, and this is, I could probably give you a hundred couples like this. They came to the church, and they were offended at the last church they were at. And I remember him telling me the list of all these things that had gone wrong. And I said, you know, you got to let that go. You can't bring it with you. Just let it go and move on. And said, oh, no problem, pastor. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it, I'm, I'm moving on. And I remember after about eight years later, he comes to me probably the sixth year, and he had a list of things that had offended him at the church. And that list got longer and longer and longer until he got offended at the wonderful people in this church. I don't know how you could be offended at the people at this church. These people will die for you. These people will take a bullet for you. These people will sacrifice for you. How could you ever be mad at someone in our church? <laughs> Amen. But the list got up there so high and so he left because of it. And I remember telling him, I said, listen, you haven't grown since you've been here. He said, what? I said, you had a list when you got here. I told you to let it go. Now you just created a new list. And all you're doing is repeating the same thing you did with a different group of people in a different church. And people do that. It's called the cycle of defeat. Where you have a particular weakness in your life, whether it's anger, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's a lack of self-control, whatever. And it's, it's a weakness that keeps sabotaging your success. And even though the circumstances change and the situation changes, you just repeat it over and over again. And the, 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 the first verse we read, that's exactly what happened to the parents of, uh, that died in the wilderness. They went around in circles. Some people are on their second marriage, going around in a circle again. And they're going to end up divorced if they don't let 
go what they went through in the first one. Don't shout me down because I'm excited. And I'm telling you this because I want you to win. And divorce is not the impartable sin. But I want you to win. I want you to stay married. But you can't hang on to some things. If you hang on to your fears, they'll grip you. If you hang on to your doubts, they'll prevent you from reaching higher and believing for more and say, Lord, you really can make me into a virtuous woman or you really can make me into a high priest over my family that leads my family just like Jesus would. You can st See, you lose your faith when you don't have that. But if you can let go of it and move on, oh, man, blessings will follow you with speed and power and God will bless you in a great way. Amen. Let me mention this to those of you that are single. Don't let that last breakup prevent you from a new relationship. Well, men are all the same. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let it go and learn from it. The problem was you still fishing on the bottom. Raise your hook up a little bit. Don't get bottom feeders. Get someone that's going to church, someone that loves Jesus, someone that does the word. Reel them in. Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, that must have been for you. Pastor's really preaching good today. I can really sense that that's yours. Praise God. So, if we're going to get over what happened to us in the past, sometimes we need to receive things. In other words, we come to church so that we learn knowledge <clears throat> so that we can go farther in our faith than we did before. And I'll be honest with you, I, the people I talk to many times, they don't see themselves as a winner as God calls them to be. And because of that, they can't receive the things in faith that make them or cause them to become what God called them to be. And let me show you one of the aspects of this. 1 Thessalonians 3.10, please. Notice what it says. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. How many know that sometimes things are lacking in our faith? Sometimes you need a little bit more knowledge to be able to seize what God has promised, just a little bit more knowledge. A little bit, you know, the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I went to church for years before I was even saved, and I never was able to receive Christ because Christianity was basically you go to church, follow a few rules, that was it. I didn't realize you don't get saved by rules. You get saved by believing in what he did. Sometimes there's something missing. To give you an example of this in Scripture, you remember the leper that came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8? He came to Jesus, and he had a real bad case of leprosy. And if you've ever studied leprosy, it is a horrible disease. Now, we have a cure for it now, but at that time, it was, there was no cure. And uh, leprosy is so bad that it dulls the, uh, the senses on your skin. And so what happens in leper colonies and so forth is sometimes they'll try to uh, unlock a, a lock or something, and they'll try harder than they should, and because they can't feel anything, they'll literally tear their fingers off in the process because they can't feel nothing. 
And there's an odor to it that you can literally taste in your mouth. So it's a very disgusting thing. Imagine this leper that went to Jesus. Because in his day, when somebody had leprosy, here's what would happen. Well, let's say you got up in the morning and said, you know, I've had this rash for quite a while. Honey, what do you think I should do? And most women would say this, you need to get it looked at. And in those days, you went to the high priest or to the priest. And so, see, this guy goes to the priest. The priest looks at him and says, oh, no, that's, this is leprosy. And he says, all right, you're in quarantine right now. You can't go home. What about my job? You can't work anymore. Where am I going to live? You got to live in, leper, in a leper camp. Just like that, his life changed. And you imagine him moving in there, and everyone that said they loved him can't show up, just being abandoned. Even, even if his family comes around, they got to they be like 100 feet away and just yell at each other. They can't, they can't get any closer. And, and he's had this leprosy quite a while, so fingers are gone, toes are gone, faces are deformed, all that. But yet he knew that Jesus was a healer. And he said this to him. He said, if you are willing, you can make me whole. And I like what Jesus did. I like the action. He touches him first and says, I am willing. The power of God went out. Do you know how many people in the body of Christ today never receive a miracle because they're still wondering whether or not God is willing? I'm telling you that God is willing that you would prosper. God is willing that you be delivered. God is willing that you would go over the top. God is willing that if you've got something that's oppressing you, that God will deliver you and set you free. He is willing to deliver you from whatever it is in your life that is oppressing you. Come on, church. He is willing. Willing. The thing about that miracle that is so powerful is it shows you the power of knowing that God is willing, and it shows you the power of willingness itself. I want to say something here that's just so powerful, because there's a lot of teaching in the church that it, it, what it does is it dysfunctions faith. And a lot of people say, well, God wants to, he'll do anything that he wants to do, whatever. God cannot do anything he wants to do because he can't sin. And he can't say one thing and do something else. Can't do that. But because of that, people don't realize that when God created man, he created man in his own image. Which means he gave man something that he won't take back. And that is a free will. He gave you a free will. You didn't have to come to church this morning. You could have stayed home. You, didn't, you don't have to seek God. You could have said, no, I'm not going to seek God. You don't have to praise God. You can decide not to praise God. You don't have to follow the ways of God. You can decide not to follow the ways of God. The problem with free will is it's great as long as you use it in following God. But you can't have free will without the freedom not to serve God. That's the danger of it. And what I do preaching is allow the Holy Ghost to influence you in a positive way so that your will will line up with his will. But it's still your choice. And if you're not willing to forgive somebody, you won't get over it. If you're not willing to let it go, it won't get let go. If you're not willing to reach higher, you will not reach higher.
If you're not willing to go farther than what you've gone before, you won't go farther than you've gone before. If you're not willing to dedicate yourself and commit yourself and commit yourself to service and doing what God's Word says and making God's Word the final say in your life, if you're not willing to do that, it won't work in your life. But if you're willing and you line up with God's will, God will turn you into champions in this generation, and He will make a difference whether you're on a job, whether you're at church. He will make a difference that will affect people from all around and you ought to be excited right now that you're willing you wouldn't be here unless you weren't willing there's great power in being willing to do what God says to do especially when it isn't something that you want to do did you know that there are many sermons I don't want to preach. Do you know that? Because I know they're going to send emails to Pastor Jim. Yeah, amen. Praise God. The Bible said in Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Do you have any idea what that means? It means that if you stay willing to the things I tell you to do in your life, I'm going to give you the best of the land. I'm going to give you the best houses, the best homes, the best careers, the best peace, the best joy, the best victory. I'm going to give you something that only heaven can give you. That is a home that serves God, a home that God's blessing is on. I'm going to give that to you if you would just stay willing and obey me. Come on, church, if you would just be willing to do it. Now, you know I've preached a lot of hard sides of the gospel, but I wanted you to know right up front that God does not make robots in the church. He will never force you to keep following him. He will never force you to stay committed. He will never force you to praise him. He won't force you to do anything. You have to decide to do it. A lot of people, they think, well, God's just going to drag me into heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. He won't drag you to heaven unless you're willing to follow him. That's it. If you don't continue in his kindness, he'll cut you off. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good right now. Your willingness is the required thing that you need to overcome. Now, look with me over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And I'm going to show you a really outstanding truth that will help you with this. How are we going to get past this stuff in our life? Broken relationships, disappointments, fatigue, disease, loss of family members. How do we get past it? How do we not allow that to cripple our faith so that we don't continue to believe? How do we do that? Listen to what it says. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So what's the topic? Obedience, isn't it? He says, work out. Say work out. Your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the fact that he says it to work it out means it's in you. Your healing is in you. Your prosperity is in you. Your breakthroughs are within you. Your vision's within you. Everything that you need is within you. When God created birds, within the bird is the ability to fly. When God created fish, 
within the fish is the ability to swim underwater without air. When God created you, he placed within you everything that you need to soar. Everything. Now, you may not have discovered it yet, but it's inside of you. Amen. Amen? So it says to work it out, work it out, work it out. You know, when you get sick, healing's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. Feeling better is inside of you. Having a good attitude is inside of you. Having an ability to see beyond the problem is inside of you. Come on, the, it's all inside of you. You got to work it out. But here's how you work it out with fear and trembling. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor, I was doing really good until you got to that part. Can I tell you what the fear of God is? It's revering God's Word, the parts of it you like and the parts you don't like. How many love the promise that says, all the promises, yes, name in Christ Jesus? How many like that one? How many like the, what Paul said, you can do all things through Christ? Amen? But what about the other parts that we don't like? That's what the fear of the Lord is, where you revere every aspect of what God says in his word. Now, watch this. That means you're more afraid of what will happen if you don't do the will of God than you are if you do the will of God. In other words, Lord, I'm more concerned about what will happen if I don't believe <laughs> Then if I do, if I do, I got to face this mountain. If I do, I'm going to have to face my fears. If I do, I got to deal with Goliath. But what will happen to me if I don't? First of all, your hands will be tied because your word says they'll be tied. Secondly, I will not inherit what you have died for me to inherit. Thirdly, I will not have that joy unspeakable full of glory because I won't be able to ask in faith and have my joy made full. Lord, I know it's hard. I'm going to do it anyway because it's going to cost me more not to do it than it is to do it. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. You know, the first time I tithed was in fear and trembling. Remember the days of checks? Do we really have to put this in the offering? <laughs> you know what it took me to tithe when I first got saved? It took several messages and then a meeting with four pastors. And I was trying to act spiritual in the meeting. So I just kind of brought it up, you know, the tithing thing, you know. You know, you know much about it? And man nailed me under the rug there, praise God. And then once my wife got a hold of it, I said, baby, we can't afford to do this. We can't afford to do this. She says, we can't afford not to. Hallelujah. I'm not going to have me under a curse. That's it. Praise God. I remember a wife one time, she went to a meeting. This was a tent meeting. And the guy that preached had this, he got into pride. And he was a big minister. And they cut him down to the roots. And he had a verse in, in the Old Testament, how God will cut you down because of pride. And she would, she'd point at me and say, I'm going to be on your case. If you start getting a fat head, I'm going to stick a needle in it. I'm not, I'm not going to get cut down because if you get cut down, I get cut down with you. So get humble. Quit, get, don't get you fat head. You need you. That's the fear of the Lord. 
It's knowing that if you go the wrong direction, what is going to happen? Oh, I'm not even going to think about that other girl. No, 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 no other girl except my wife. No other girl but my wife. No other girl but my wife. Because I know in Scripture what happens. Because I've had many ministers. Some I've had to let go in the church over the years because of lust, because of broken marriages. I watched their future destroyed. So now I got a one, I'm a one woman man. If I want to check someone out, I'm checking her out. <laughs> Amen. God didn't make no fool here. No, 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 no. I want to do the will of God. That's the fear of God. The fear of God will, will help you in that sense where you be respect whatever God says in the Word, even when it's not something that you like. I don't like doing some aspects of my Christian faith. I don't like to forgive people. I don't like it. But I do it because my prayers will not be answered unless I do it. Because I remember I was in the martial arts five years before I got saved. And so the way I dealt with somebody that offended me is I hit them. I can't hit them anymore in church. I got to forgive them. And, I, and see, I know too much scripture. Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother, he said that you'd be handed over to the torturers. That can't be good. We know torturous has to be some type of demonic oppression, just like in Saul's time. Remember when he disobeyed God? And you remember the demon spirits came over him and tormented him, and David would come and sing praise songs, and the spirit would lift? That happened because of his disobedience. Opened a door he could not shut. I don't want to open those kind of doors. Hallelujah. The problem with some of us is this. We don't believe that. We only like the good parts but they're just as true as the other parts and god's a holy god and and, and when i say this please understand i'm not judge people by their outward actions i don't do that the battles within that's where i really deal with it do you know what iniquity is in sin is sin is the opportunity that iniquity takes Iniquity is that lusting inside. It's that pride inside. It's that jealousy inside. Sin is when you act on that iniquity inside. When Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, he taught us how to overcome iniquity so that the actions would not follow. I'm not judging somebody by their actions. I'm saying watch your heart. Keep lust out of your heart. Keep pride out of your heart. Keep jealousy out of your heart. And you'll stop the action on the outside side and God's salvation will rise up big inside of you Amen. wow it'll bless you so to make a long story short you've got to be able to do the things you don't want to do to receive the things you really want in life let me say it again you got to be able to do the things you don't really want to do you probably were tired this morning would have loved to sleep in but you got up came to church you don't want to always read your Bible, but you do what you don't want to do because you know you need to feed your spirit as much as your gut. Yes, we 
know this in the natural, in sports, you, you can't get in shape. People go, I want to get in shape. You'll never get in shape if you always do what you want to do, if you always eat what you want to eat and, and never exercise. No one wants to exercise. No one wants to feel painful the next day. No one wants to stretch. No one wants to do that. But you have to do it to get strong. Here's the thing I've learned. If you can learn to walk in the Spirit and deny the flesh, you are going to receive much more things you want than things you don't want. In other words, and you do try that on your job, you'll be a great employee. You'll be a great employee because every one of your winners, God gave you self-control. Self-control doesn't mean someone else controls you. It doesn't mean your emotions control you. It doesn't mean your attitude controls you. It doesn't mean your, your uh, neighborhood controls you or your government controls you. It means that you control yourself inside one time I had a little healthy dispute with an employee, and, uh, and I said to him at the end, I said, listen, I want to make this really clear. You work for me. I don't work for you. If you don't like it here, there's the door. Now, I'm sure I said it in a much more pleasant way, but that's what I was t telling the individual. Self-control is like that. Your flesh doesn't work. You don't work for your flesh. Your flesh works for you. Your mind, your mind, come on, your mind works for you. You don't work for your mind. Your faith is the servant of the believer. It works for you to accomplish great things. It works for you to go over the top. It works for you to do that in your life. But you got to be willing to exercise that self-control in it. And so, like I say, we're in the locker room right now. We've huddled together. We're going to make a touchdown. That's why I'm telling you this, because the people that God calls to this church are called to change history. They're called to make a difference in our culture. Amen. God doesn't call us to get by, to fail, to be losers to be subject to what's going on. He expects us to rise up and be such a bright light that no one, can know, no one can miss the light. No one can miss the change. No one can miss the light that's changing the community and the world that we're in. That's what we're called to, church. Come on, give God praise. Let's give him a Holy Ghost huddle. Shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Now, let me wind this up quickly. Put, put up the screen, Ephesians chapter 6, please. Look at this verse. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Say the shield of faith. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. Quench is to extinguish something with water, right? He's using the, the analogy of a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier has a shield, and many of them are the size of a small door. And what they do in battle, because the archers will put, uh, catch, their arrows will be on fire, and they'll shoot these fiery arrows at the enemy, and the Romans will put it over their heads, and when the arrows hit the shield, they'll stick in the shield, but because it's been soaked in water, they extinguish it. There's been things said to you in your life that are still burning inside of you. There's been things said to you in your life that still, when you think about it, something inside, it starts to hurt. 
oh, that, why did they say that to me? Those are the fiery darts of the wicked one to keep you from success. Well, what you got to do is take the shield of the, of the spirit. And it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how much you fail. You go to the word of God and you wash it with the water of the word. And someone says, you're not going to be able to accomplish that because you did this. What you need to do is take out the word that says that God will remember your lawless deeds no more or your sins. Say amen and praise God. Wash it with the water of the word and come back out fighting. Come back out fighting in his righteousness. Come back out saying, no, this is my inheritance. Sure, I made some mistakes, but in heaven, my credit is good because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me and I can receive all the grace, all the mercy I need for my time of need, praise God. I know I was cut off the lost team, but not on this team, praise God, because God will not keep me cut off. He's... Man, my translators, they hate this because I get worked up so bad. But I'm telling there's power in this. There's power in this when whatever someone said to you, if you would have been a better husband, I wouldn't have left you. Or if you would have been a better wife, I never would have looked the other way. These words are sent by the devil. What you got to do is wash it in the water of the word and come out of that and say, devil, you're a liar. I tell you, you keep telling me what's going on. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. One day, one angel, just one angel is going to chain you up in the abyss for a thousand years while Jesus rules and reigns on this earth. And then you're going to be released. And then God's going to take you and all your angels and throw them into the lake of fire forever. That's what I'm giving you. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, I know what God has called me to do, and I know that he fixes broken vessels. And I know all of you, you know, have broken stories in your life. And the thing about Christianity that's so beautiful is that God doesn't judge you by your actions. He judges you through the body of Jesus. And when you receive Christ, you receive perfect humanity, perfect sacrifice, the blood that cleanses you of all your sins. Paul said all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. Why did he say that? Because he knew you can't cause a person to become spiritual by outward actions. It only comes because of what Christ did inside of us. And then when we fight that spiritually inside, it changes the outcome of your life. It changes how you respond and gives you the victory that God wants you to have. Amen? Let me close with this story. You all remember Roger Bannister beating the four-minute mile. Most of you have heard that story. And what's remarkable about the story is that for years and years and years and years, even to the point the doctors believed no one could run any faster than what they'd been running. He believed differently. And he broke that four-minute mile, and he, and he was the world's fastest man, now watch this, for 46 days. 
He, when he broke it, he probably thought, man, I'm going to be the world's fastest man for the next 100 years. <laughs> 46 years, and there was a guy by the name of Landy from Australia that built his, his record by, I believe he, he built it, don't quote me on that, I think it was a second and a half faster. So you can imagine what's got stirred up in the, in the news media. We got to have a race with these two champions and finally settle who's the fastest man in the world. So they did, actually they did it in uh, uh, Vancouver and they had this race, it was televised, black and white. You can actually watch it on YouTube. And they started to run. And Landy, Landy was ahead of Roger Bannister. And he's just going to town, going to town. I mean, he's going to town. And I don't know if he sensed, you know, Roger behind him or whatever, but he turned and he glanced back. Soon as he did, Roger Bannister ran by him. And beat him by almost two seconds and became the fastest man in the world. Say amen. amen. Here's what I want you to see. This is how easy you can lose your victory. One glance. One glance. Remember Lot's wife? One glance. Because you get your focus off the prize. You get it off the prize. Romans 4.17, Abraham said that he considered not his body now dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He wouldn't even glance at it. He wouldn't even glance at failure. He wouldn't glance at the facts. He focused only on the promise. When you're seizing faith and you want to go forward, you got to focus in on the victory. Don't be like Peter glanced at the storm. No, 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 no. Keep your eye on the prize. Yes, Satan wants you to be affected by the past. He wants you to be affected by what happened to you. He wants you to be affected by your memory. He wants you to be affected by your negative experiences. He wants you to be affected. Why? Because it will diffuse. It will take the strength out of your faith because your miracle's just right there. It, you can almost touch it, but you got to stay focused on it in your life. Come on, church. Say amen. You've got to stay focused on it. Did you know in the world today there's only two animals that don't walk backwards or can't walk backwards? Only two in, in the world. Yes. And one of them is a kangaroo. A kangaroo can obviously jump around in circles, but he can't walk backwards. And then there's another one that's called a emu, U M U or E-M-U, however you pronounce it. And it's almost like an ostrich. I was attacked by an ostrich in Israel. I don't like ostriches. <laughs> I was, we were at the zoo there and one attacked me, bit me, left a scar on my hand. And they were going through the flu pandemic at that time. And anyway, I'm so glad I'm healed, hallelujah. <laughs> but the bird, it can only go forward. In, Aust in Australia, they use them for their coat of arms, these two animals, because they want people to think that Australia just moves forward. I think we need a coat of arms at church. We're going to move forward. We're not going to go backwards. 
We're going to move forward past our pain, past our fears, past the pandemic, past all the disgust, past the racism. We're going to go past it, praise God. And we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish on this church. Come on, church. Stand up, everybody. Come on. Come on. You've you got you to be getting this in your spirit. This is what God wants you to do. He wants this in your life. He wants you to take up that first string. Get out and do a touchdown. Get out and do a play. Do, go out and do something you never did before. He wants you to do it. I'm going to pray right now for those of you hearing this message because it's so easy to allow something in the past that we've went through to continually try to overcome us and to weaken our faith. Maybe a loved one that betrayed you, a dream that busted, someone that you didn't think would happen, happened. And there's a pain there. I understand the pain. But I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit right now because you got to get over it. Holy Spirit, thank you. As people raise their hands to your presence and your goodness, pray right now, Father, that your spirit would heal. Heal the heart of that wounded woman. Heal the heart of that wounded man. Heal the heart of those that are broken. Lord, I give you praise. Yeah, you can trust again. You can trust again. You can trust again. You can trust again. That's for someone. You can trust again. You can trust again. You can trust again. You can trust again. Failure is never final unless you quit. It's never final unless you quit. Just say, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pursuing your best in my life. I'm not going to allow it. Satan, I break your power in the name of Jesus. That's my inheritance. I claim it in Jesus' name. I will not retreat from it. And you will let it go right now in Jesus' name. Father, I give you praise so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.